is Yud Chet Chai 18 we pick up at the bottom of Yud Zayin Amadvet the middle um, Ana Ivriah we're dealing now with how a Hebrew slave goes free um, and some differences between a male and a female slave so Ana Ivriah Okay, um, we, and we also dealt, of course, with the myth of Hanukkah, of laying down with gifts. Okay, now the two dots, about five lines before the lines get wide, or eight lines before the lines get wide. A Hebrew maid servant um, does not serve the son or the daughter, meaning we learned that by an Eva Ivri, if he's not an Yertza, he continues his six years to the children, because it's basically like a six-year contract. If he is an Yertza, then he only... Um, serves the um uh what do you call it? Um uh if he is if he is an then he only serves the uh son but not the other heirs. Is am I getting that right? One minute. A minute. No, excuse me, excuse me. One minute. Let me get let me get this straight again. Okay. Uh, right, right, I'm sorry. An Evan Ivory um, will do the six years for the son, but not for another heir. That's what we said at the end of yesterday. He'll do the six, sons, six years for the son, but not for another heir. A Nirza doesn't even do the six, doesn't even do anything for the, for any, for even for the son. A Nirza goes free when the master dies. Um, and an Ama Ivriya also goes free when the master dies. Okay, so Ama Ivriya ain't over the Let's just do this again. Okay, you have Eved Ivri and Ama Ivriya. Okay, and here you have the six-year version, right, and the Nirza. Okay, so those are the two versions, and basically you have Ben and other other heirs, other heirs. Okay, which would be Bat and other heirs. Okay, so an Eved Ivri works for the son, a continuation of the father, not for the other heirs, and Yurtza doesn't work for either, okay, and we pointed out, at least my read of that is to emphasize that he's not property, but this is like a six-year contract, so at least the son that's considered a direct continuation, you finish out the contract, other heirs you do not, because, you know, it's a contract is between people, it's not something that's about an inheritance, so you don't finish a contract for some heir, but you finish a contract for the son that's a continuation of the father, Anirtza, but interestingly, is neither, and Nama Ivriya is neither. Okay? So that's Nama Ivriya, ain't overus, lois aben, lois abat. But it's still weird about the bot part. I mean, because, like, you know, the, the bot would inherit just as much as the ben would if there's no ben around. Right, but he's not considered a continuation. That's just a law and inheritance. It's not as a continuation. Okay, Minani, really, where's this from? Amar of Padamar, Tamakra, the verse says, the Afla Maschot Hasekein. Okay, so this is about the Pasuk about Hanakah. You know, Hanek Tanik Lomitan Hamigon Hamik Vecha, Kashibra Hashem Kachitim Lo, and it's, um, the Afla Maschat Hasekein is somewhere in there. Let me read the Psukim inside. Well, we're going to discuss that in a minute, which is why I want to read the Psukim inside. So the Psukim say, um, okay. Okay, but as we've been assuming until now and, and as we're going to say explicitly about, uh, 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 an Amayvid does not do Nirtza because the whole point of the Amayvriyah was to lead to her being married not for this ongoing uh, servi- you know, servitude so the Gemara is going to read the about the Hanaka about the laying down with gifts Okay, Gamar Krav Avlamav Chatasakein. He kisha because of Linirza. So, but but it is dealing. The immediate context is with the Nirza, the guy with the hole in the ear. So that's the context, even though it's not the halacha that she's not Nirza. But my Nirza ain't always lost the benefit of the The same way you said a Nirza doesn't work for either. Okay, Af Amayvriya ain't always lost the benefit of the The same by the Amayvriya. The high the Gemara says Lamav Chatasakein. How do you do? That's what it's coming to tell me. Hamibayu Elu Chetanya. 
for the ladening down with gifts. Maybe it's like pshat of the psukim. It means you do the ritzia itself. This is in the pasuk in Shmod in Mishpatim, which speaks about the ritzia. If the slave says, so why didn't just say the imamar yomar? We know it's talking about a slave. So the fact that it says ha'eved is to tell you below ama ivria, not an ama ivria. So hey, ritzia emma, you know that you don't do the ritzia. So hamani mekayim. So you know, based on a drash from the pasuk in Mishpatim, we take the pasuk in Dvarim out of context and we say it's not talking about ritzia. So the only thing left for it to be talking about is the ladening down with gifts. Hamani mekayim baflamatratasakein lahanik. Okay, but now that's one drasha that you don't do the ritzia, you do the hanaka. But then, how do we know it means that it's similar to a nirtza for this issue that she goes free when the master dies? Okay, so the gemara says, how do you learn both? Just say the My taase you should do. Seen as an extra word. Shlami not tarti the second halacha. Okay, so somehow that's the second part. The second part is is that she's not a ben just like the nirtza. So you don't darshan smichot? What happened to that? Well, I understand. It's, what, what's it's right next to Nirza, meaning even if it hadn't said the Afam. Oh, I could have done that, I suppose. Okay. Now, so that's anyway how you know she's not over the Ben Vesabat. Similarly, well, Nirta we just said, and we assume, now we're going to prove it, but until now we've been, right? So this we did yesterday. This is because one Pesach says, Sheishanim Yavod, okay? Is this not working? One Pesach says, Sheish Shanim Ya'avod, which means regardless, and this is the Avdicha, only you. Okay, so that's how we say so there is a sixth year that continues after the person dies, but for others not. On the Ivriya, we said this you learn out because it says the Asla Amatcha, which we link to the Nirza. So she's not Ovedis as a Ben Vesabat. And now we're going to have to prove how we know the Nirza is not Ovedis a Ben Vesabat, which we had just assumed for this Russia. Okay, and also somebody who is sold to a non Jew. Okay, so the Gemara is Hanirza, Vanim Kalavik Kachovim, Ben Ovedis a Ben Vesabat. Nirza, the Nirza, the Gemara says, Tichsi, Veratza Adonavis says, No, Bamartseya, you should pierce the whole, the ear with, you know, with an awl. The Avadol, the Olam. Avado leolam veloataben veloatabat. Okay, so it's interesting. Although it says leolam, we limit the leolam number one about yovel, and number two we limit it to only when the master is alive. Okay, so how do we know this? Is not because it says veavado leolam. Okay, so that's only the master. The only reason this goes to the son is because it has Sheshanim Yavod, which is regardless of who he's serving, and this because it's linked to the uh, to the Evadifri. All right. So that's how you know the Nyart stuff. The verse says, This is about buying the person back who sells himself to a non-Jew. You should, uh, like, you know, um, you, you should do the uh, account me, accounting, assessing with the, with the purchaser, and to, bu- to buy back, to buy him back. The low in Yarshe Konehu, only with Konehu, but you don't have to do it with the heirs, because once the guy dies, the slave goes free. All right. I'm a Rava. Now, again, you could have said maybe with the heirs, you're not entitled to buy it back and back. But anyway, that's the drasha. I'm a Rava. Dvar Torah, Oli Kochavim, Aviv. Now we're going to digress a little bit. Okay. Basically, Rava's point is going to be the fact that you're to tell me that, this, that he doesn't serve the heir when he's bought by a non-Jew shows me that in principle, there are laws of inheritance by non-Jews. Because without this exclusion, I would have said he would have had to continue to have served the air. One minute. The fact that we had to exclude Nevedivri from serving the heirs. Michlal, the Isla Yorshim, do you see as a general rule, he would have heirs. Okay, Ger es Ovikochavim, Now let's say somebody converts. So he is Kikatan Shinola Dami, which means that legally his uh, father is no, his non Jewish father is no longer legally his father. Which means that legally when the father dies, he doesn't, he doesn't inherit from his father. Okay? So that's Malachi, he's like Katan Shinola. But rabbinically he does. Now, 
Gerbo Bikochavim, Sheyoshos Avihem. Okay, so you had two children who, uh, two non Jews, one converted, one did not. Okay, so you have Shimon and Christopher, their brothers. Okay, <laughs> so their father dies. All right, now, in the estate, what you have is the following. Sheyoshos Avihem, they are now inheriting from their non Jewish father. So the convert can say to the non-Jew, You know what? You keep all the idols in dad's estate, and I'll just take the cash, okay? Um, you keep all the wine, which he used for Avodah purposes, and his Aser Behana, the point about both the idols and the wine is we're not talking just about Stam Yenam, but Yenesech, it's Aser Behana. Let me be Rose, I'll take some of the fruit, okay? That's, they can divide it up that way. That's acceptable. However, once, let's say, the Ger took, took possession of it, okay, they both, say, they both sort of took possession of the estate, also, then they cannot divide the property, because then basically they cannot, he cannot say, you know what, I took this half, but I have some idols here, here, you take idols and give me the money for it, because then basically he's selling idols for money, or he's selling Yenesech for money. So if they divided it before they took possession, then this was just the half that he got. He got the half that didn't have the idols in it. But after he took possession, he's basically selling the idols for money. So what's that so, teaching us? You have to be smart. Yes. Now, no, what it's also teaching us is that, well, we'll see what it's teaching us. So it's teaching us the following point. It says, um, well, for, one thing for what it could be teaching us is like Ain Brera, you know, because why didn't you say that even if they divided afterwards, I'm afraid that was, that was always his. Okay? So we don't say that. So now the Gemara says like this. One minute. says Gemara. The if he inherited his father biblically, his non-Jewish father, so even if before they took possession of it, as soon as the father died, but nevertheless, as soon as the father died, they're now equal in heirs of the estate, and now if they, you know, divide it in a particular way, effectively what they're saying is, I'll sell you my half in the idols for your half in, you know, something else. So it would be a problem even before they actually took physical possession of it. There's, it's still, it's theirs, they inherit it. Okay? You're taking an exchange for an idol. So what difference does it make if you've took, taken physical possession or not physical possession? Either way, you inherited it, and now you're swapping your idols for money. So what difference should it make? It must be that he only inherits it rabbinically, and therefore, if it's only rabbinic, when the father died, they didn't make it that he automatically owned it. They did it in a way that gave him the latitude to make sure he got the permissible Part. So he's not considered to be to inherit it to take possession of it until he takes physical possession of it. But if it was biblical, he would have taken possession of it as soon as the father died. Yes. So that's a very interesting. Is this uh, is this correct? That there's a legal distinction. Of, I I have inherited this car, but I don't own it yet. What? Is can you make that legal distinction? Like I've, I've I'm the well, you can't biblically. You can only you can only do it rabbinically. Meaning, with the rabbinically, you could say if it was biblical. As soon as the father died, they inherited it. They owned it, and any type of swapping, you'd be getting benefit from another. So the fact that the ra- that there's a space, the fact that there's a space between death and taking possession, can only work at a rabbinic level. Yeah, right. Now, Tozos points out why doesn't the whole thing work because of Yesh Brera? Maybe it can work because of so, Look at the Sulotosos. Chaliver Vodas Kochem Kashak. The Ain Lomar Taima Mishum Breira. That no, maybe it's okay because if we swap it, then in the end that was always my stake that I was inheriting. Kolomar Hasha Huver Adavar Dezechelko. You can't say that. That that's why it works if we if 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 we do it before we take physical possession. The Im Kain Afilu Barley Shusunami Mutamei Taima. Even after they took physical possession, right? They went over. They took all the boxes out of their father's house they put it in the van they drove it to their house and then they split it there it so, the so therefore so say yes pray we're there too yeah. they haven't yet divided it just because they took physical possession so the point here is it's not that it's impossible that that could work in a, in a Yerush context because of yes the point is that there's a difference between the moment they inherit it and the moment they take physical possession and that doesn't make any sense at a Doraisa level so it must show you that it's only the inheritance is only Midorabanan and the rabbis opened up that space in order to allow allow him to do it in a way that he would not have to take possession of the idols. Yes? Two questions. 
Uh, is it even is it permissible even for a non-Jew to benefit from a Um Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you're saying like why isn't like at least an Ever? But there's only an issue for non-Jew to own to worship a Vodazara, not to actually own or net be nene from a Vodazara. But that's a good, very good okay. point. Second question, back to the issue of the Gentile inheriting from a father. There's yes. statements in Sanhedrin that state there are no paternal relations for for non-Jews. What, one more time. There are statements in Sanhedrin that there are no paternal relations for non-Jews. So you're not talking about slaves? You're talking about no, I'm, I'm, for instance, a Gentile can marry paternal half-sisters. Um, no, that's not that there are no... Um, well, there is a question about what defines arayot, but that does not mean that we don't recognize family structure and parentage. That's a different point. There's a question about what's included in the Isra arayot. Mm-hmm. Okay? So it's not... But Yes, it's relevant, but it's not exactly the same. Yes, that's a different discussion. Moving on. Okay, the Mars is like this. Um, so okay, so it's only rabbinic. So the Gemara says, "El Now, why is it rabbinic? Why did they let the Jew inherit? Maybe they should have said, you know, you don't want to make it confusing. Now he's going to feel that he's still, you know, maybe part of this non-Jewish family or something." The rabbis did it because it was a protection. Um, what was the protection? If this now convert would find out he's not going to inherit his non-Jewish father's estate, he's going to say, "Forget this being Jewish. I'm going to go back to the other religion." Now, halachically, he would still be Jewish, but maybe the other faith would take him back and that would rec- the other faith would recognize him and he'd be able to inherit. Okay, so therefore we had to, we had to prevent that. Tanya and Amihachi, we talked similarly. When is it true that we allow him to divide when they inherit before taking possession? But if he was in a partnership with a non-Jew, then you can't divide because then again you're, you're, you're exchanging your half of this Isra for money. Okay, so that again just shows that this Yerusha is a special case. Anyway, so that's anyway a non-Jew inheriting, a Ger inheriting his non-Jewish father. Ovi Kochav Mithagir. It could be like, for instance, Sam, there's an estate there, we're going to buy it out, because he'll say, we're going to put in $100, your, your 50 will go. Yeah, there's ways you could do it, but it wouldn't be a difference between ownership and possession. Okay. Ovi Kochav Mithagir, Vigir Thagir. Now, how about a non Jew inheriting his father as a convert? How could that be? Mm-hmm. That's a person who already has a child, a non Jew already has a child, the father converts, the child does not. Okay? So then this Jewish convert dies. His non-Jewish child does not inherit from him. Okay? Um, or a father and a son both in- converted together. But legally they're not related now. Okay? They're both cut in Shinolad. And the father dies. The son does not inherit. Okay? So a, the, it's not, there's not going to be inheritance because nobody is legally related. And there wasn't a rabbinic need, need to create inheritance so we just let it at the Din Torah. What? what? Why would we? The only reason before was to prevent. We usually do. In other words. We, we don't normally rabbinically create inheritance. The only. Ad Rabbah. The point is, we don't want there to be confusion over the legal status here. It is a confusing legal status. People are biologically related and not legally related. And if that gets confusing, it could be a, b- a big problem. Somebody would think it has a nafkamina for yibum, other types of nafkaminas. So creating inheritance actually muddies the waters. Why should we create inheritance? Just let, let the normal laws of inheritance apply. The only exception we made was the one case of the convert with the non-Jewish father because of Shema Yasser Davalir Kukulo. Okay? Nah. Um, um, Lova so you borrowed money from a convert who converted with his sons so they all converted together but they're legally not related okay don't pay the, the, the debt back to the sons the sons if the guy dies the sons are not his heirs and if you paid it back actually the rabbis are not happy with you so it actually sounds like it's a bad thing now Rashi actually makes it sound like means, means like you don't get any yashakayach you didn't do necessarily a good thing, but not necessarily that you did a bad thing. But the symbol language is that it, they're not happy with it. And the reason they're not happy with it is for what I just said to Michael, which is like, well, big deal. So, okay, I could have kept the money, so I gave it to them. I wanted to do a nice thing. But the point is that it could money the waters. Like, you know, Rashi says, let's say he's got a brother, you know, well, it's funny about a brother case, because he wouldn't probably have a legal... Anyway, but the point is it could money the waters, and it's important to know legally how people are considered to be legally related. Okay? So, I'm telling you now, the commercial says, but didn't we teach you to bribe 
Brita, Ruachachamim no Chahemenu. Actually, the rabbis are happy with you. If you pay back the children, you might not be legally obligated, but it's the right thing to do. So the Gemara says, Lo Kasha. Kancho Rasso Veleidoso Shalobiktusha. The Kancho Rasso Shalobiktusha Veleidoso Biktusha. The question is like this. In what way is he not legally related to his children? So there are two scenarios. One scenario is the child is already born and the father and the child, son both convert. That's Horasso Veleidoso Shalobiktusha. The son was born before anybody was Jewish. Okay? That's one case where they're very clearly not related to one another, legally at least. How about the other case? A man and his wife and his pregnant wife convert. Okay? Man and his pregnant wife convert. The child is born Jewish. Because when the mother converts, she's Jewish. And therefore, the child is considered to be part of the conversion of the mother. Whatever. Anyway, the child is born Jewish. Okay? Whom is the child not conceived Jewish? Whom is the child related to? Now, so the halacha is that meaning is there the parentage because that's what we're doing about parentage the, the child's mother is legally his mother because after the conversion after the mother dunks in the mikvah the child has continues to gestate in the mother's womb yeah, the, the, they were, she was pregnant when she was pregnant a man and his pregnant wife convert okay the child is then born whom is this child related to he's related to his mother because after the conversion he continues to grow in his mother's womb and therefore that's considered his mother continues to you know be in that sort of you know mother capacity vis-a-vis him could be an interesting question about how does this relate to Sorry. concepts about surrogate motherhood anyway so then he's born he, even though he was cutting Shinolat at the moment that they dunked in the mitzvah but the ongoing growing you know being in his mother's womb or whatever he is now considered to be his mother's child legally but he's not his father's child because the father stepped out of the picture biologically after the moment of conception. Okay? So therefore, once he was converted and, you know, once, once they dunked in the mitzvah, at that stage he was cutting shenolad and no, no new relationship was established with the father. So this child is born Jewish, related to his Jewish mother, but not legally related to his Jewish father. Okay? And the relevance of that would be, one area where that would be relevant, would be, well, let's say, it would, would be, if, what do you call it, would be inheritance. Okay? So the father dies, this child should not, the child legally does not inherit. So in both cases, the child does not inherit, but in one case, the child looks much more Jewish, you know, much more like a natural sort of Jewish, you know, born Jewish, part of a Jewish family structure, etc., than in the other case. So, the halacha says, in one of these you're supposed to pay in both you're not legally obligated in both the child is not legally related to the father but in one it's a good thing to pay back and the other it's not so in which one is it a good thing to pay back so there was an early version of Rashi which we don't have Matosis quotes that Rashi said the good thing to pay back was the kid who that's like closer to the real thing so you should pay him back okay but those says no Adaraba that's the one you shouldn't pay back because that's the one that's more easy to confused because if you go ahead then people will actually think that the father is the legal father because, it, because that's the one that you know they converted it to the, you know and that the, the mother was maybe three months pregnant it looks like that's a normal case of being the legal father so because that's more easy to confuse Dafka that's the one that you shouldn't do a good deed and pay back because that'll just confuse people more the one that's more obviously not legally the father is the one that it would be okay to pay back yes so. <laughs> If a man and his wife convert, are they supposed to be married? Yes, 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 and we actually do that. And actually, there's also a halakha that if a man and his wife convert about keeping them apart for three months, or some supposed to say you can use a pregnancy test because you want to be determined whether if she's already pregnant, then there would be this nafkamina that the child would not legally be related to the father. So you want to determine is the mother pregnant at the time of conversion. So according to the Gemara, you're supposed to wait three months, but some folks can say you can just do a pregnancy test. So regarding all this, muddying the water, that's an interesting point. You mean like why don't we start worrying about cases about adoption, for example, and all these other types of cases? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I understand. It, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, obviously, you could say that here it's more confusing because it was he is a biological child, not just being like raised, but. Yeah, I mean, I hear the point, but I think, like, the point about inheritance, you know, 
I mean, people do take in children. The point about inheritance is real, uh, is, is, is really something like the big, one big nafkamine of being a legal father is the issue of inheritance. So, presumably that was the one that we were most concerned about. But, yeah, I hear the point. The right. for Abelut as well. Right, right. Well, yeah, I mean, we do allow in cases of adoptive parents or whatever, you know, to do like, you know, to do forms of Avelut and so on. I mean, you know, I mean, money's the water. Yeah, I understand. Well, first of all, once the father's already dead, it's a little, well, I hear your point. Here, two of the fathers is dead. Yeah, I don't know. Those are really good questions. Those are really good questions. Yeah. I actually know someone whom the local rabbis forbade from observing any of Elut for her adopted father. For that reason? I was I was stunned. Because of this type of a reason? Yeah. The general position is that you let is that somebody could say college, could keep uh, Avelus. Like the one thing is because most the mostly those things don't compromise other halachot. Right. The one thing that you would that you wouldn't do is like the Nihuge Aninos, which is like not doing mitzvot, you know, um, because that does compromise other halachot. Okay, anyway, let's go on. Okay, um... Now we're going to just quote, before we just inferred it from a drasha, so he would exclude the case of the Evid serving the heir of the, non, of, the, of the non-Jew. But here he's going to say it's a, it's a pasuk that there's inheritance. Okay, the verse says, I've given Arseir as a bequest, you know, bequest as an inheritance to Esau. The Dilma Yisrael Mumashayni says, Ah, Esau isn't really a non-Jew. He's a Yisrael Mumar because he was born to Yitzchak. Okay. So Ella, it's an interesting perception. Ella Mehacha. So Lot was not a descendant of Avram Yitzchak Yaakov. And he also gets an inheritance. Okay, so why did Rav Chiyah not say like Rafa? Uh, who was, uh, which was this? Uh, one minute, let me... One minute, which was this? Um, right, oh yes. One says Vichishavim Koneu, and the other says Vavadol Yolam Beloas Habain. Right, thank you. So why didn't he say Karava? Because Vichishavim Koneu. Miksi Vichishavim Koneu Beloim Yorshe Koneu. Because Koneu does not have that exclusion, that sense of exclusion, the excluding the Yorshim. Okay, Virava, my time alarm, Karav Chiyabar Avin, who said that it was Vavadol which at least there it more speaks directly about whom are you serving right so that is a little bit more relevant mm-hmm. so he says Mishum because uh, Mishum quoted to Avraham Shani what? hold on I'm like, me that's why you no get it not because Dvar Torah Yoresh well wait hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on no, Chizkiah said, V'chishav in Konei V'loim Yorshi Koneu. Oh, no, 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 we're just doing with what is the Pesach that you learn and write. I'm sorry. We're not dealing with the question about the Evan. I got confused. Okay, we're dealing with the question, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We're dealing with the question about how do you know that, it's, that, uh, that a non-Jew inherits from his father. Okay? So let's do that again. I'm sorry. Reb Chiyabarav in my time alone with Why did he not say like Rava that you know that um, he inherits his father because it had to exclude an Evan Ivri from serving the son? Because he says, no, Miksi V'chishav it's not so clear. I'd much rather quote an explicit pasuk that calls it a Yerusha. I'm not going to be infer an idea of Yerusha because of an exclusion of an Ebed Ivri serving the son. That's not clear in the pasuk. I'd rather quote an explicit pasuk about a Yerusha. For Rav, my time alone, Rabbi Chia Baravin. So why did Rav not say like Rabbi Chia Baravin? It is an explicit pasuk. So he says, Mishum quoted Avram Shani. No, because maybe for the for the honor of Avraham, we allowed his you know his nephew to have this inheritance and his descendants of his nephew. You. But that doesn't prove that as a general rule there are rules of inheritance by non-Jews. Okay, but in the end of the day everybody agrees that that is true. Okay, now back to Evadivri. There are rules that apply to an Evadivri and not an Amayvriya and the reverse. Now, we've already seen some of them but this list is going to be very different than the list we've seen before. An Evadivri goes out in years, Yovel, and the death of the Master. Masha inking the Ivriya, which is not from the Ivriya. Now, if I still have my shirt shot here, it's like, what? We said that Ivriya goes out in Shanim, goes out in Yovel, goes out in Mita Sadon, actually, right? Eon goes out in Simanim, actually. I mean, right. The only thing that is different is the Nirza Mita Sadon, okay? But, right, or the Simanim, but all of this had been the same, okay? And the fact that it's explicitly excluding Mita Sadon is bizarre, you know? But anyway, but all of that we had said was the same. Okay? So that's point number one. Um, 
Okay, well that's fine that she goes after Simanim. That we know is only by the Ivriya. But here's another halacha. She cannot be sold twice, and inevitably can be sold twice. So that's a new discussion which we haven't seen yet. And she can be redeemed against his will, presumably against the master's will. Which is also bizarre, because until now we've seen that the idea of Giron Kesef is that you can buy back your freedom against the will of the master. So this whole Breita is like is, is like either new or against what we have been assuming and saying until now. So let's take a look. Okay, Ramini. So first it sounds like it's all years, Yovel, and death of the master is only by an Ivri. Really? Ramini. We have our Mishnah. Namivi has all the ways of an Ivri plus Simanim. And you're telling me not years, not Yovel, none of this? Now, by the way, the Gemara is going to find a way to reconcile it. But this really could reflect a different Tanaitic position. Because all of the psukim, if you think about it, what do the psukim say by the Amma Ivriya? There's a psukim that speak about whatever, you know, says there it doesn't talk about any way in which, you know, it, it says that if he doesn't do Yiyut, she goes free. It doesn't explain how. Okay? So uh, it does say the Hesda. So that so there you could say that's Simanim and Pidyon, but it doesn't mention Shanim, it doesn't mention Yovel. Shanim and Yovel are in the Sukim basically by the Evid Ivri. Okay? So now it is true by the case of the by the case of the Hanakah, it says Afla Matchatasakane, and that's a context of six years. But it never explicitly says Ama Ivriya by six years or Yovel. So this Braitha might just represent a different tradition, but the Gemara is going to find a way to reconcile. Well, that's right? Right. So let's see what the Gemara says. Amr Shesha, so so how do we deal with the fact that Spaita says he doesn't go free by Shanim and Yovel? No, 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 no. This Brite is talking about after Yud. If the master does Yud and marries her, then she doesn't go free with Shanim and Yovel. Okay, that's pretty obvious. The Gemara says, Yada, Pshita, Gizabaya. Of course, then she needs a get. Not to tell me she doesn't go free with Shanim and Yovel. No. No, because I might have thought that Yud entitles her to take her as a wife and to get sort of, you know, sexual, you know, to have sex with her and whatever, but maybe she's still a slave wife, right? So maybe she could still, you know, you could sort of free her by the same path of freeing her as a slave. I mean, not and, maybe, and, and not give her get. And once six years come, or the Yovel comes, maybe that's only a relationship in the context of slavery, okay? I mean, if you think about it, right, the halacha is that inevitably the master gives him a shifcha knanis to have children by, and that's a relationship that exists in the context of slavery. So maybe this wouldn't have been a total kiddush, and it would have been the status of a slave. Right, right. Maybe this whole yield is in the context of slavery. Kamash Milan, that it's not, that once it's yield, she becomes an Eshashish, and the other ways of becoming free do not apply. Okay. So, but what does it mean that she goes free with Simanim? She doesn't go free with Simanim. She only goes free with a get. But if you didn't do you, then all the ways of freedom apply plus the money. It's a, it's a radical... You think it's a good read? Yeah, it says, good. she doesn't go free with, with, with Shunim and Yovel, but she does go free with Simanim. It's contrasting Siman, Yovel and Shunim to Simanim. And what we're saying is, she doesn't go free with, with Shunim and Yovel once there was Yud, but if there was a Yud, she does go free with them and with Simanim. I think that's a pretty bad read. <laughs> anyway, okay. But that's what we're reading it. So A was an interesting Havamina, that Yud would be in the context of Avdus and not a fundamental transformation to Kedushin. By the way, that's really the Kiddush of the Torah. The Torah says, right, yigra means just because she became your wife through Avdus, she doesn't have any fewer rights than a full wife. Okay, so that 
that's but anyway, but that's sort of what it's saying maybe would have been a Havamina. But what it's really doing is taking a Brighta that really is a very different approach and sees Amivriya in a totally different category, right? And doesn't have Shanim, and doesn't have Yovel, and so on. And it's trying to reconcile and say it's the same. I actually have to tell you that I, besides the Pshad of the Psukim, are, you know, the Sprite is consistent with Pshad of the Psukim, there's something attractive to this because it, again, makes the status of Amivriya less about Avdus. If you think about it, this girl's well, working average. under 12 years old. How much work are you going to get out of her? Now, I suppose, in the old days, you know, they would train the girls young and she could do a lot of work in the kitchen between 6 and 12. So maybe. But nevertheless, it makes it something completely different. It's the fewer overlap of laws that exist between those two categories. Where do we get your name from exactly? What? See my name. Where Who? Uh, just because it's clear from the Psukim that if he doesn't do Yud, then she's the Yatsachin Amin Kosef. So what's the Yatsachin? So Ein Kosef, it's not Hestah. So what's the Vyatsachinam? And it, it could be six years, but that's not in the context. It sounds like you have the chance to do Yud, you didn't do Yud, yeah, she goes and free. Yud would be when she had Simanim. Prior to her having Simanim. Oh, right, but the Chazal read the Simanim as the trigger there, but there's clear in the Psukim that after the opportunity of Yud, at some point she goes free. One other question, like, you know, what, I want, uh, what I understand also from yesterday is, we know we can't be mochal on the, on the whole of the Everybody, but look, he's just like doing a real bad job. You can't like fire him? Um, like, he's, like, no, you can't. That's Shtar Shichror. Okay. Oh, yeah, although, right. Yeah, presumably people don't disagree to the structure, although Tosas had a question because it wasn't in the Mishnah. Okay. All right. Um, so it's a bad read, but you like the bright uh, No, I like the bright side. The, 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 reconcil- the, the reconcile read is a bad read. Okay. The Elamim Teres Venirshnes. Now here's a new halacha. She cannot be resold, but an Evid Ivi can be resold. Michal Devit Ivi Nimka Venirshnes. Sounds like an Evid Ivi can be resold. That time you turn the Brysa. Bignevato. Venimka Bignevato. The low big say low. Let's say the guy has enough money, he, 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 he steals something, or he robs, rather, and he has enough money to pay the principal back, but not to pay the, the you know, the fine, which is, which is double the price, okay? So now, he sold something worth a thousand dollars, he has to pay two thousand. So he has a, he can pay back a thousand, okay? Would you sell him as a slave, so that to pay back the other thousand that he owes? So the answer is no. And he just has to pay it back when he reads. When he gets it, right, it's an outstanding debt. Let's say somebody is an aide zomain on somebody who's a ganav. Okay? Say somebody testified somebody was a ganav and owed $10,000 and they were proven to be aiding zomain. So now they owe $10,000. Yeah. Then they don't have the money. Can you sell them in slavery to pay it up? No. Nope. Only if you're the actual ganav. Not if you're an aide zomain for a ganav. You might have said kasher zamam lachiv. Right? And has the same consequence of being sold into slavery. But the answer is no. Does the aide zomain also have to pay cancel? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. What he would have done to the other guy. The Geneva so now here's what's relevant for us. The Gnevaso is singular. If he sold once and not he not be sold multiple times. So you see it's true even about an evening. Now, you might say that maybe that's maybe that's all you might say that okay, that'll be an answer. But you might say that's only by Gneva. First of all, it's also the same way we're contrasting between Evidivi and Amivriya, it's also important, although this has not played up yet, to think about differences between Evidivi who's Mochet Atmo and Evidivi who's Nimkar Bignevaso. So maybe if it's Mochet Atmo, he could sell himself multiple times. Nimkar Bignevaso only once. But nevertheless, the the brightest said that only an Amivriya is not resold. An Evid Ivi is resold. And here it's saying there are cases an Evid Ivi is not resold, okay? So let's take a look. Big Nevaso. Okay? So Shuviatai with Shaila Mochro. So Amar Ravalokasha. Kam Gneva Achas Kam Bishnei Gnevot. One Gneva or two Gnevot. Now there's a debate of Rashi Tosos which way the debate goes. I'm going to read the Tosos which is an easier read at least for our Nusach in the Gebara. Tosos says for one Gneva then if you stole something worth a thousand dollars and your value on the marketplace is only five hundred dollars I can sell you and then sell you again for, for, you, you can be sold in slavery for one Gneva even if it entails multiple sales okay so you work six years and then you have to work another six years till you pay off this one Gneva but if after this event I know you understand, I understand just because that whatever you actually says the opposite but let's read it this way if after this event you steal again then you can never be sold for a second Gneva but you can be sold multiple times yeah. for one 
one. Okay? Because um, because Gneva is singular. So for one Gneva, you can be sold multiple times. But you cannot be sold for multiple Gnevot. Okay, that's the way Tos is reading. Right. Then, then, you know, All right. Maybe. Hopefully you will learn your lesson. What can I tell you? All right. Quiet people. We gotta move. Anyway, Rashi reads it the opposite way. Rashi reads it you cannot be sold two times for one Gneva, but you can be sold one time for each Gneva. Okay? Anyway, I'm only a buy a buy said back. Bignevoso tuvamashma. What do you mean? Bignevoso sounds like um, multiple. Like it sounds like even if there are uh, separate Gneva, you could be sold for each time. Uh, I don't know. Um, hold on. Um, one. One minute. Oh, Tosa says, well, it sort of anticipates the answer. If you sold multiple times from one person, well, let's just see. It sounds like he, he, he thinks that even if you steal multiple times from the same person, it's still like the same act of thieving from the person or of bur- burglaring the pe- person. So, Ella, so, anyway, this is the way Tosa sees it. So, Tosa, so what that means, again, according to Tosa says, if you steal once from one person or multiple times from one person, then you can be, it's all considered one category of Gneva. You're stealing from one person, even over multiple times. And, and therefore, you can, be sold, you can be sold multiple times for one category of Gneva. But for a second category of Gneva, you cannot be sold. Rashi says the exact opposite, okay? If you did two separate Gnevot, you could be sold for each one, okay? And if it's two separate Gnevot from two separate people, you can be sold for each one. But the more it's brought together, right, multiple Gnevot from one one person, then you cannot be sold multiple times, alright? So basically it's like, if it's considered one category, one type of Gideva from one person or whatever, or two Gideva vote from one person, according to Tosos, you Tosos says, it's when it's one, you can be sold multiple times, when it's multiples you cannot be sold for different Gideva votes, okay, and Rashi says the exact opposite each Gideva is treated separately so for each category of Gideva, you can be sold once and not twice, alright, so the exact mirror image of one another, anyway okay, but there are ways in which that so it is true. There are limits to an ev- to even an evid every being sold multiple times, but there are definitely cases Bain Mokher Atmo and Bain Munimkar Bignevaso where he can be sold multiple times. Tana Rabanan. Um, you stole something worth a thousand and you're worth five hundred. You could be this is why Tosu said what he said. Because he said you could be sold and sold again for the same Gnevat paid off. Of course if you look, the Grosgirsa is Nimkar so the exact debate of Rashi Tosmos has to do with this Girsa in the Gemara. Okay, but we're going to follow our Girsa. So, which is according to Tosmos, that for one category of Gneva, you can be sold multiple times. Now, if you're, the Gneva is worth 500 and you're worth 1,000, so, um, so you're worth more than the Gneva in a Nimkar cloud, then you can't be sold. Okay, then you have to owe the money. Then you have to owe the money. Okay, but it is not fair to make you serve since the only the only uh, sort of duration of servitude is six years it's not fair to uh, we, there's not a concept of serving three years it's not fair to make you serve more than your debt okay so if you if your service doesn't pay up the debt you might have to serve multiple times but it's not fair to make you serve more than your debt so it's not necessarily your worth in terms of uh, like how much how, yeah. you purchase right meaning the, the worth of your service how, right how much somebody would buy your six year service for correct right it's not like as a slave in the market place. Correct. Okay. Talk about radically limiting the, 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 the scope of a law in the Torah. He says the only case in the Torah where you could be sold as an Evet Ivri is if the value of your six years of service is exactly equal to what you stole. But if it's a little bit more or a little bit less, you can't be sold. Okay. Um, then, then you owe the money. Okay, what happens in all other debts you have that you can't pay? Okay, so the only time the Torah allowed to be sold into slavery to pay a debt, right, was the case of the Gneva. All other debts, you just owe the money. And Rabbi Leezer says it's only when it's exactly the same. So he's he's saying in a debt that you can never really do. You can never really sell a person into slavery, right. correct. Okay, so the Gemara says, Rabbi Leezer here showed up the rabbis, meaning the lot, besides, you know, that the Gemara seems to be happy to limit the scope, but the logic of his position is compelling. 
Neos for Shav Aleph, when he stole something worth 500 and he's worth 1,000, the Einimkar, everybody agrees he's not sold. The Nimkar Kulo Amrachman, only when you're sold fully, meaning the full value of the sale goes to the Gneva, not when only half the value of the sale goes to the Gneva. It says you're sold for the Gneva, for the full value of the Gneva. But not when you're sold to only pay off half the Gneva. You have to be sold to pay off the full Gneva. Okay? So the same, like, textual read and the logic should have applied. So according to Rabbi Leazar, essentially nobody will ever be sold as for their Gneva. They could sell themselves and the father could sell the daughter, but they'll never be sold for the Gneva. Okay. Now, the last line of this interesting Breita is Umafkino Saba Al Korchau. You can force the, you can, you can Force the redemption of an Amma Ivriah, but not of an Evid Ivri. Now that's a little strange, because we know the whole halach of an Evid Ivri is that you pay the money to the master, and whether he likes it or not, you can buy back his freedom. So the Gemara says, that you can force back the, the redemption by an Amma Ivriah against the will of the master. So what does it mean against his will? So one way of reading this, he, he, well, we're getting there. Okay, but, but what he rejects is saying that the master isn't happy with it because as I said obviously that works by Nevid Ivri as well so what would be special about the Amma Ivriya so maybe what's special is you don't even have to pay the money you could just write an IOU right if it means you actually pay the money obviously that works by Nevid Ivri so what's working by an Amma Ivriya that's not working by Nevid Ivri well maybe it means without even paying cash just writing a check writing an IOU so Amai since why would you be allowed to do this Nakiv Marganisa Biyade He's holding on to a pearl in his hands. He's holding on to this 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 uh, ivria that's worth real money. We can force him to take a piece of pottery, a check, an IOU, which is worth nothing. I mean, obviously you don't have the money to pay it, or you went to sold your daughter to begin with, right? So where would you get this idea that you can sell your daughter and then just give him an IOU and get your daughter back? Like that's crazy, okay? Ella, so that can't be what it means, and it can't mean cash because that works by an ivri. So what are we talking about? Ella Amar Abaye. No, you redeem her even against the objections of the father. Now what Rashi says it means is you force the father, if he has the cash, you force him to use the cash to buy her back, even if he doesn't want to. Why not force him not to sell her to begin with? Yeah, well, that's, we'll see what the Gemara says. Of course, what does that mean? He got the cash for selling her. So now tomorrow you turn around and say, oh look, you have the cash in your bank. You just got the cash. So presumably it means that he has the cash and he doesn't, he's not using it like to survive with. You know, he actually has that as, as available income. Exactly who can determine that, I don't know. Okay, that's the way Rashi reads it. I'll tell you how Tosus reads it in a minute. Okay, so the Gemara says, now why do you force him? Because having a, a member of the family sold into slavery is a mark against the entire family. So even if the father doesn't want to, because of the concern about the, you know, about the uh, sort of uh, the, 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 uh, the name and the reputation of the family, you force the father to buy her back. But the now, also if the father has the money and would refuse to That could also, also be. That could be. So the Gemara says, if a guy sells himself why don't you force the family members to buy him back because it's bringing shame to the whole family so the Gemara says no thank you so then he'll just resell himself that doesn't accomplish anything okay and then actually be a good deal for him he resells himself and then you guys buy him back so the Gemara says so here too you force him to buy her back he's just going to resell her so the Gemara, what is good is that going to do? So the Gemara is going to say no. Ktani ain't an No, because that's why we already talked that an amivia cannot be resold. So because an amivia cannot be resold, we can force the father to buy her back, and we're not afraid that he's just going to get turned around and resell her the next day because he's only allowed one sale. But an amivia who can resell himself, it's not going to do any good to force a buyback because he'll just go ahead and sell himself again. Now Tosos sharpens the point because Tosos disagrees with Rashi and says the one we're forcing to buy back the Amayivriya is not the father. 
the one we're forcing, because he was the one that needed the money, presumably that's not the reason. The one we're forcing to buy back is the other relatives. That for the sake of the family reputation, you sort of like the Torah about Ben Dodo, Dodo Yigalenu, we force the family members to buy back. And then the question is, but then like the father, you know, is just that's just encouraging bad behavior on the father. He sells, gets the money, you buy back. He sells, gets the money, you buy back. The same way as the Evidivi. I sell myself, I get the money, you buy me back. Then I sell myself again, I get the money, you buy me back. So the answer is, by an Evidivi, that's a concern. By the Amivriya, the father doesn't have the choice to sell her again, so therefore we can force the B'nai Mishpacha to buy her back. Okay? So the Gemara says, Umani Rebbe Shimon, and this is Rebbe Shimon, to Tanya, and now we're going to get into this issue. Now we're going to go deeper into this question about reselling Amma Ivriya. Okay? We, before we talked that, talked about, talked about an Evan Ivri, that there are some cases of Geneva that it can't be sold twice. But we didn't go into specific about the halacha that an Amma Ivriya cannot be sold twice, and now we're going to look at this. Okay? Titani, we turn the Brysa. A man can sell his daughter. You gotta love the here once again this comparison of marrying the daughter and selling as a slave. A man can sell mocher adam Notice by the way, can sell his daughter for marriage and do it again. Okay, because a girl who's still underage and has not yet had any suin, even if she only has erisin, never leaves her father's control. So he was Makadesh's daughter. She's still underage. It's just Arison, and the guy divorces her or dies. So now she goes back to being totally under the father's control. He can be Makadesh her again. Okay, so a man can be Makadesh's daughter multiple times if the guy it was only Arison and there was divorce or death. Okay, that you can do. Um, Vishona, if she's still underage. Vishifchaso Vishona. Now, against what we just said a minute ago, this writer is saying that he can sell his daughter as a slave and then repeat it. Now, if she became free because of Simanim, obviously he cannot repeat it. He has to be a katana. But let's say she became free because of the Yovel or because of six years. Then he can resell her as a slave. You can sell her as a slave multiple times if she's still a katana. Also, if she was a slave and then it was six years, then he can go ahead and marry her if she is still, let's say, a katana or a nara. Okay, but, although the one thing he can't do according to this price is, lo l'shifchas acha ishas. After he married her and then she's free, now he can't sell her as a slave. You could really understand that, right? Because that's like going down a level. It's very degrading. First you were married as a free woman and now going into slavery and trying to get married that way. But we'll see how it's learned out from the Pesukim. So that's the only exclusion according to the Tanakhama, which is not of the bright that we quoted earlier. Reb Shimon Omer, the same way you can't sell as a slave after a wife can't sell as a slave after being a slave okay and that's the right that we quoted earlier and that's the idea that it won't do any good that, that, that's why we can force uh, the family to buy her back because the father won't be able to resell her as a shifcha now what is this debate, debate, debate based on the plugs of the Hani Tanai it links with the debate of the Hani Tanai the Hani Tanai the it says, "La'am nachri lo yimshol lemachra." La'am nachri. This is after she was sold. Lo yimshol lemachra. So he cannot no. He can no longer sell her. After he has betrayed her, which according to the Pshat of the Pesukim mean like um, that after the father sold, well, maybe one Pshat, after the father betrayed a certain trust by selling her, he can no longer go ahead and sell her again. That's the reason. That's the reason. It could also be talking about the husband, right. not the father. Okay, we're going to read it about the father. So one read is he cannot resell her after he betrayed her by selling her once. That's Shifchus Achar Shifchus. Okay? Now, Lam Nachri has just read as any other person. That's how Chazal read it. So that one way is reading this Shifchus Achar Shifchus. Where are we going to get Shifchus Achar Ishus, which is the other way it was being read. Okay, so so Lam Nachri Lo Yimshol Kivan Shepireis Talito Aleha so reading the word Bigdo as Beged once you spread your cloak over her meaning which is marriage okay Shuv like right, right good point like Ruth Ein Rishai Lemochra Divrei Rebbe Akiva you can't sell her after marriage so Bigdo reading Beged it can't be Shifchus Achar Ishus that was the position of the Tanakhama you don't read it as Boged that's the next read Rebbe Eliezer Omer Bezigdo Ba Kivan Shabagadba betrayed her by selling her as a slave Shul Veven Shailem Ochra 
So that's shifchus achar shifchus. So it's either shifchus achar ishus if it's beged or shifchus achar shifchus if it's begida. Okay. Now, b'mayku miflugi. What's that debate based on? Rabbi Eliezer savar yesh aim lemisoret. Now there's a whole question how to read this gemara. Rabbi Kiva savar yesh aim lemikra. So the way Rashi reads it is mikra means the way it's read. So does bezigdo? Does the word bigdo? Does that mean begida or beged? Rashi claims that the word big Right, if you think about it, bigdo means his baggage. Bigdo, bigdo. If it were to mean, if Rashi does the word to mean, if it were to mean uh, betrayal, it would be, it would be bivogdo. Rashi says, okay, bivogdo. Okay, so the bigdo that's read as bigdo, but it's not written as bigdo because to be written as to be clear and bigdo, you would have had a yud. Okay, so Rabbi Akiva Savar. The way it's written, and it's written Bogdo. So that's so that's after rebellion, it's Shifchus Achar Shifchus. Rabbi Kiva Savi Yeshim Lemikra. Bigdo is read as Beged, it's Shifchus Achar Ishas. So that's one or the other. Now, if you remember in the Brayta, Rabbi Shimon said he can't sell her as a Shifcha either after Shifchus or after Ishas. Right? Once there was one. Sale, shifchus or ishus, it cannot be followed with shifchus after. So Rabbi 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 Shimon Savar Yeshem Lemikra Ulamisoret. He reads it both ways. Whether it's shifchus achar shifchus or shifchus achar ishus, either way cannot be done. According to him, the only thing that could be done is ishus achar ishus. Okay, well, I guess ishus achar shifchus could be done, but shifchus can never be done after there was one type of sale. Okay, so that's the idea that an ama ivriya is not named. And also, why we can compel the family to buy her back, if that's true, because then we're not afraid he's just going to go ahead and resell her.